0: Amen. How many of you knew that? Our guys, you just thought they had a little, little uh, cap gun or something on them, huh? And like Barney Fife or something, you know, kept the bullet in their pocket. I, I learned something today, and uh, I'm going to preach now. I'm going to feel better preaching today now, knowing we have such a great team behind us. I want to thank those uh, ladies and men that uh, are on the safety team and the um, security. I appreciate all that they do, and... Um, We can rest. How many of you feel better now in the service? Like you feel like you can rest? Huh? I do, yeah. All right, Acts chapter number 12. Acts chapter number 12. We're continuing our study through the book of Acts. And uh, I missed a a prayer request. I want you to pray for, if you would, for Shirley Regal as well. She, um, uh, hospice has come in and is caring for her. They're not expecting her to live much longer. She, um, um, he's just under total care of hospice now. So you pray for Don and pray for Shirley uh, during this time, if you would please as well. Acts chapter 12, the Bible tells us this. Now about the time Herod, the king, stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Now what's happening here The Bible says this in verse number one, now about that time, what does that mean? After everything that we have been looking at, while while all of this is going on, Saul is is saved and Saul has become a, a disciple and now is is in Antioch. Him and Barnabas and, and uh, as Peter is is healing and people are being raised from the dead. As the church is growing, as as all of this is happening and a persecution that was taking place in the church and the church the Christians were uh, uh, they were first called Christians in Antioch while. All of that is happening. There is in the king, the king of Herod. The uh, king Herod is is planning a, a attack. He's planning persecution against the church. He takes one of the apostles by the name of James, and James is killed with a sword. We don't know if he beheaded; it doesn't say, or or thrust through his side, or however he was killed. But he was killed with this sword. What a brutal way to be killed. And when Herod sees that the Jews enjoyed this or, or, or uh, praised him for it, you see what Herod is doing. Herod is just about making a name for himself. And we'll see that next week as we study the last half of this chapter. But we'll find this, that in this portion, Herod is so pleased with people giving him praise and people uh, uh, giving him accolades. He finds that as he kills James, the people are excited. And so what does he do? He goes and he takes Peter, his plan now is to take and kill Peter. And, and so he places Peter in this prison. As he places Peter in this prison, what's what's in, uh, uh, in, encouraging here is this, that he knows that there's something about Peter. He knows the miracles that are being done. He knows that, uh, that, that there's some kind of power that he can't explain because he takes Peter. And when he puts Peter in this prison. He locks him in a prison cell. He attaches him, uh, two chains, the Bible says, to two soldiers, and then inside his prison cell, then outside the prison cell at the door, he places another set of soldiers, and that's not even the gates to the prison. That's just to keep Peter in that cell. Remember, it was, it was Jesus, the one that they're preaching, that they placed in that grave and they put that stone and they sealed that stone over that tomb and it was uh, uh, the, the guards that were placed there and it was Jesus that they're preaching that said he's risen from the grave and no one can explain uh, what's happened to Jesus other than simply recognizing that he had risen from the dead and so uh, Herod's not gonna make this mistake again. So he takes and he puts Peter in this prison and he puts guards all around him. He's going to show that he can take the life of whoever he chooses to take. He takes James' life. He intends to take uh, Peter's life. But I want you to see something. There's a verse here tucked, and if we're not careful, we can just kind of pass through this verse. I want you to see in verse number five, Peter, therefore, is kept in prison. It's almost like the author here of Acts is saying, don't forget where I said Peter was. He's, he's tucked away. He's kept there. He's, he's, Herod's not going to allow him to go. And look at the last half of verse number five. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Father, would you help us today? Lord, there's many here in this room that are facing things that seem impossible. Lord, there's many in this room that are dealing with things that they're not sure what tomorrow's gonna hold. But prayer makes a difference. Prayer made a difference here in Acts chapter 12 and Lord, give us the faith to believe that prayer can make a difference in our situation as well. Prayer will make a difference in our church. Prayer will make a difference in our homes. Prayer will make a difference in society today. And so, Lord, we pray that in this message, you would increase our faith. I pray our faith would grow and be established upon you and your word. Thank you for prayer. Thank you for the power of prayer. We ask you this in Jesus' name, amen. One Sunday a month, we're taking the opportunity to just present Vision 2020. What is Vision 2020? Matter of fact, I even asked myself this question this week as I was studying, why do we need it? Why do we need a vision for our church? Why do we put this out there? And I had told many people when I was, uh, planning and preparing and meeting with staff and meeting with her board and, and going through all of the, the, the vision 2020, it was difficult to, to just try to get all of our thoughts together. And, and uh, then to, to present that to the church. And then as soon as that was done, I, I was relieved. And then I thought this, that was the easy part. Now we have to see it happen. And then as soon as we were done, I thought this, we only have, we only have 240 months to make it happen and January is over. We only have 239 months now. You know how quick time goes. We we want God's mighty hand upon our church. We We want to bring God glory in every generation. This last couple days, I'm not one to snow camp. I'm not one to stand out in the cold. I went down the hill one time and hurt my back and I did beat Jane Arnett, though. I just want to say that to Jane. I went down one time, and, and uh, I thought, this is crazy. What are we doing here? Stood by the fire. Now I smell like smoke, The my coat. And watch these kids enjoy snow camp. I realized this, that we had a every generation was represented. So it was just teen snow camp, but we had, we had counselors in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s. And I think we even had a counselors in their 70s that came. They were in bed by eight o'clock, but they were there with our kids. What a wonderful time we had. What a wonderful time just seeing every generation. And we want God's glory in every, to be, be praised in every generation. Last month, we presented a, a 20-year vision for our church. First phase was to, to build a youth center and, and uh, uh, with that, an uh, art lab for our school and a science lab for our school. Last week, I just wanted to get away with our teens and, and challenge them and spend time with them because they're an integral part of this happening. We begin a 220 or 240-month journey together. And I pray, I sincerely pray, and I'm asking God that all of us can make this journey together. It'll look different at the end. Our teens, I was looking out this past week, our teens, they're gonna have kids. Some of them I looked at and said, God's gonna let them have kids, God help us. (laughs) Our young adults, they're gonna have teens. Some of us, in 20 years, we're gonna be grandparents. And some are gonna be in heaven looking down, I pray, watching God perform his vision for our church. And Vision 2020 isn't just about raising money. Matter of fact, church is not about raising money at all. It's about all of us coming together, begging God, to do something with every generation in our church so that he receives glory, that he receives honor, and that God would accomplish his plan for this world through Monclova Road Baptist Church. But we can't do this without prayer. We can't do this because we have visionary leadership or we have people that are willing to invest or we have crews of people that are willing to work. All of those things, I believe, are necessary, but none of it can be accomplished without prayer because we don't want anything to happen at this church where someone other than God can receive the glory. We, we We want to see God do great things so that when someone sees what is going on, they say, it is only by God. I want you to see here, the Bible tells this, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. It's impossible to live the victorious Christian life without prayer. The more I pray, the more I see I need prayer. The older I get, the more more mature as a Christian I I am, you know what I realize even more? That I, I can't live this life, I need prayer. The church in Acts was once again dealing with problems. Isn't it it interesting? We've been through 12 chapters in the book of Acts, and about every single chapter, they're dealing with problems. How many of you feel like that's your life? You get through one problem only to go to another problem. just, Just enough to breathe, and then you face the next situation. Well, that's what's happening here in the book of Acts. They're they're seeing great persecution. Sometimes the problems came from within. There were widows that weren't getting their needs met, and and it caused an issue in the church, and they brought forth deacons, and they they, uh, uh, prayed over these men. These men began to serve, but guess what happened? One of these deacons were taken, and, and he was stoned, and he was killed because he was preaching the gospel. It just seems like even as solutions would come, more problems would come. Sometimes the problems came from without. There was this man by the name of Saul that we've seen up to this point. Saul was a a man that did everything he could to persecute the church. There's a man by the name of Herod now that has killed uh, one of the uh, apostles. Now, Stephen has been killed and James has been killed and Peter finds himself in prison. Persecution is coming to the church. This church is having some great problems and, and this church is in a place where it almost seems impossible. Do you, ever, do you ever face problems and it seems like you get through something and, and only face another one and then you get to the place where you ask yourself, is this even worth it? I'm wondering if that's crossed Peter's mind at all or any other believer's mind. How many problems are we going to go through? How deep does it have to get? How impossible do the circumstances have to get before finally we get some kind of relief? Herod brings in one of these apostles named James and James is sentenced to death. The Jews were so glad to see this happen. Look with me in verse number three, the Bible says, and because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. The only reason Peter finds himself in prison is because Herod is trying to build a name for himself. The only reason Peter finds himself there, uh, Herod's not upset with what Peter's preaching. Herod likes the fact that men are giving him praise. He's making decisions that the, the people like. And, and so Herod is, is, is continuing to make these decisions simply because he wants the people to be pleased with who he is. Someone is putting in, is trying to put an end to these Christ followers. I want you to remember they said crucify him. Don't, uh, uh, and, and this didn't stop his followers. And, and, and they imprisoned them, and that didn't stop his followers. And, and they killed Stephen, and that didn't stop his followers. Matter of fact, it only, got, it only got better for them. They were only strengthened when they crucified Jesus. Three days later, he rose again from the grave. They couldn't stop him, and they tried to, but he rose again. He was seen amongst many, and now there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people Meeting in Jerusalem and now as far as Antioch, all because they tried to stop Jesus. You know what they learned? They can't stop this man named Jesus. They imprisoned them only to find that they multiply. Remember, Saul was going about imprisoning people only to find that every day God was building his church. They killed Stephen. They killed Stephen and Saul, the one that was standing there at Stephen's feet, holding the coats and, and, and handing out stones so that they could kill Stephen, the one that sought to imprison him. Now, now what happens, they kill Stephen, and, and just a little time later, Saul, the one that was consenting to it, the one that was encouraging it, he finds himself converted, he now becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. No matter what they do to try to stop these Christians, they keep going believer, I believe it's because of prayer. The world will do everything they can to stop Christians it's been through generations. They've tried to stop Christians. They've, they've tried to uh, uh, discourage Christianity. They've taken the Bible that we put our faith in. They've, they've burned the Bible. They've taken those and they've, they've martyred uh, for the faith. They've taken them and they've dipped them in hot oil. They've, they've, they've cut their heads off. They've, they've, they've put them on, on uh, 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 tables and, and literally stretched apart their insides. They took Christians, I've told you this before, if you were to read of Rome, Rome would take the, the Christians and and they would dip them in oil, and they'd take their bodies, and they'd put their bodies upon post at night and set them on fire. And those were the street lights to the main streets of Rome, bodies of Christians that would not deny Jesus Christ. Maybe a powerful King Herod can finally put a stop to these Christians. Maybe Herod's the answer, because nothing they've tried so far has worked. So Herod kills James. He then sets his eyes on Peter. Peter, the the, the one that preached Pentecost. It was Peter, the one that traveled in in Saul, people raised from the dead and and the the sick healed. It was Peter. Remember, it was just Peter a little while ago that took and, 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 and gave the gospel to the Gentiles, and Cornelius was saved. It was Peter. If we could just get to Peter now and stop Peter, that might stop these Christians. And so what does Herod do? Herod places him and imprisons him. His fate set. Peter's going to die. And Peter is going to be attached to by chains to two soldiers. In verse number six, they place him between two soldiers in the cell. If that's not enough, they place soldiers outside. They lock the cell door. They place soldiers outside of that, that cell door. And Peter's locked in tight. It appears it's the end. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe not in prison next to two guards, but you've you've come to the place in your life where you just seem like, this is it. I I don't know if I can fight any more battles. I don't know how much longer I could be worried about finances. I, I don't know if I have the strength to go forward. I, I, I don't know if I can, I, I can be what I need to be in my marriage. I, I don't know if I can just hang in there with what's happening with sickness with my children or with my parents. I, I just don't know. Work just seems so difficult. And, and I just don't know. I don't even know if I want to face another day. Things just seem so difficult. Things seem impossible. It appears like it's the end for Peter. It appears like Peter, the great apostle Peter, the one that preached at 3,000 people saved on the day of Pentecost. It feels, seems like the Peter, the great apostle that, that uh, is seeing souls saved and, and lives changed. It seems like the great apostle Peter. This is it. Peter sitting in a cell. The Bible doesn't, Open us up to hearing and seeing what Peter is thinking. But I've got to wonder that Peter probably thinks this is it. It's over. And something interesting here you don't find anywhere in this scripture the Bible says that Peter was praying. It doesn't say that, that an angel came and, 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 and got Peter out of that prison cell because Peter was praying. I want you to see what the Bible says here, right? Tucked in this passage of scripture, the Bible says this, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. It tells us the condition of Peter. Peter is there, and it seems hopeless, and he's, he's kept in this prison. There's no way out. He's locked to the guards. Herod has given him a death sentence. James was, was just recently killed. And, and I'm sure his mind's going back to Stephen. I'm sure his mind's going back to probably even the cross, and the first time he met Jesus, and, and this is it. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church. Oh, listen to me, don't miss this today. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Number one, I want you to mark this down, please. Prayer changes everything. Oh, that, that word, that, that small little word to start that out. But prayer was made. Whenever you see that word, things are about ready to change. It seemed hopeless for Peter, but. Peter was down and imprisoned, but. It looked like Peter was at his end and Herod was going to win. James had already been uh, killed and Peter, you're next, but. Oh, whenever you see that word but there in Scripture, you're going to see that something is going to change. And the same thing may be true in your life. You may be looking at something and it may seem impossible. You may be looking at something in your life and you say, there is no end to this. I I just don't know where the future is going to hold. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to make this. But I want you to see something. Prayer can change everything. But prayer was made. You see, the situation looked impossible. Have you ever been there? Hopeless? Impossible? I'm reminded of a man by the name of George Mueller, a great missionary of yesteryear. He started orphanages and he'd have these children that wasn't the day that you could just get on the phone and call people. There were no phones. This isn't the day you could get on the internet or Facebook and, 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 and try to raise money to, to uh, 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 give people money so they could buy food. This wasn't the, the place where you could just go down and swipe a credit card and just get as much as you want on that credit card. He was living in the days that it uh, was difficult to communicate. He was living in a, in a place and raising the number of children that it was hard to supply for, but he had faith. He believed that this was what God. called him to do. And they said many a times in the evening they would, they would come to the place where dinner time and there was no food there and these hundreds of children needed food as he, was, as he had this orphanage as he was raising these children and, and they had no food and they had no money to buy food and the resources were all gone and none of them had the answer. And so what George Mueller would say is we're going to do tonight the same thing we did the night before. We're going to get down on our knees and we're going to begin to pray because George Mueller knew that the resources come from God. George Mueller knew that when it looked impossible, that God was the God of the impossible. George Mueller knew that when he didn't have the provisions, that he, his God God in heaven, his his heavenly Father had all the resources that was ever needed in this world to meet the needs of his children. It was George Mueller then that said to those workers and all the children, I know that we're hungry and I know it looks impossible, but I want you to get down on your knees and we're going to go to the one that can supply. We believe that he can. And as they were praying each night, as they were without out food at each night when it looked like it was impossible they would get down and the hundreds of children would begin to pray and there'd be a knock on the door and someone would walk in and have enough food to feed those children for another night those children were hungry but prayer but prayer listen your impossible situation may seem hopeless but i want you to see in this verse but prayer Is this your initial response to problems? You see, with George Mueller, it was not, what are we gonna do, last resort is prayer. George Mueller would say every night, when we have nothing, let's just go to God. That is our first response. You see, prayer acknowledges a dependence on God. You hear me this morning, if you're God's child, he wants you to depend upon him. He wants you to come to him with your needs. He wants you to come to him with your problems. Oh, no, it isn't. You come to him and he says, I didn't realize what you're going through. I'm sorry I've allowed this to happen. No, what you're going through, God is allowing for you to go through because he wants you to come to him so that he can show you that he is the God of the impossible. Your situation hasn't caught God off off guard. I sat with Pastor Oscar in my office this past week when we were talking about his little grandson uh, crew and, and, and I reminded him that this doesn't surprise God. I told my son I'm going to announce it to the church. It isn't so that we have sympathy. It isn't so that we 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 come by and we pat him on the back and say, "Boy, I'm 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 I know that you're really struggling and, and uh, I'm here for you." No, it's so a church can get down on their knees and begin to pray and see God work and and God to do the the impossible. That's what we want here. I want you to see something about this. Prayer acknowledges a dependence on God. If Vision 2020 is going to take place in our church, we must pray. We must acknowledge that God. God, if you do this, that's the only way for this to happen. I want you to see number two. I need to hurry here. Number two, this verse, but prayer was made. I want you to see, secondly, without ceasing. This is continual. This is an attitude. This is not taking no for an answer well, I prayed yesterday and and, and and I prayed once and God didn't answer it, so maybe he doesn't want to, no, this is going back, continually going back without ceasing, saying, God, this is this is my prayer. This is my request. I'm, I'm begging you to do this. I want you to, to, to be encouraged, Christian, today, just because you've prayed about it and God hasn't answered it yet, don't stop. They prayed without ceasing. Not only did they pray, they didn't stop praying. This is a pleading Whatever you're going through in your life, listen to me, don't get tired of praying. You might get tired of the problem. You might get tired of the situation. You might get tired of the trial. You might get tired of the prison cell. You might get tired of the persecution. But don't get tired of praying. Don't quit praying. Let God hear you, continually hear you. Keep pleading with God. Pray without ceasing. Vision 2020 is... Going to be a 20-year commitment. It's going to, it's going to take prayer in church. It's going to take prayer without ceasing. I'm begging our church, you would please over the next 239 months now, would you pray without ceasing? I, I see this in this corner over here, right now, where it's just gravel, where not much is happening. I see this building being put up and I see teenagers all over. I I see us having youth rallies and I see us opening our doors on a Friday evening and bringing them in and and feeding them and giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ. I see it as an avenue for us to get into our school systems and give the gospel. I see this not building a kingdom, not building another piece of building. I see this as something that would help us reach souls of teenagers here in this community. I see teenagers that are struggling with addictions. They're struggling with pressures in life. I see teenagers that are struggling in their home. I see teenagers that are struggling with their identity. I see teenagers that are struggling with life and wondering, is it even worth living? I see that happening in our community. And oh, I see a vision that God's going to give us an opportunity to meet the needs for those teenagers so they know that there's hope. Too often in our nation, matter of fact, too often in our in this generation, too often in this community, teenagers are taking their life because they say there's no hope. They're getting bullied, and others are saying that you have no worth. They're being taught that the human life is of no value. They're living in a society where abortion is just running rampant in our nation and they're living in a society that says there is no God, that you were formed out of, out of nothing, that, 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 uh, if you want a purpose in life, that you got to make it for yourself. But I, I dare say that we ought to be a church with a vision that says we're going to reach this generation. We're going to reach this, this, this generation of teenagers. And we're going to tell them that, that you do have hope and you do have a purpose and, and there is worth living in his name is Jesus Christ. I pray that you pray without ceasing. I I want you to see, thirdly, this portion of Scripture, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church. Would you write this down, of the church? I believe that Peter's in a place where he thinks it's hopeless. Matter of fact... I don't believe that Peter found himself praying for this because when you read past where we just read, when, when Peter is being taken from this prison by the angel, Peter says, this isn't even real. This must be a vision. Like, Peter's pinching himself. Like, am I really going through this? He, he thinks he's having a dream. Listen, what we find here is of the church, God's people in unity. Hear me, what's the importance of prayer? What's the importance of praying without ceasing? And why is it of the church? Because I want you to know there are some people that go through trials and they don't have the strength any longer. And they need you to pray. There's friends that you might have, they're hopeless. Don't give up on them because they get a little bit discouraged. Don't get up, give up on them when they get into places that they're depressed. Don't give up on your fellow Christian when they get down and gloomy. Don't judge them for that. Pray for them like they did for Peter. The Bible says this, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church. You know who that is? That's you and that's me praying for someone else. Listen to me, I find this, of the church, God's people in unity praying together for a common purpose. We came to pray when we, they came to pray, they were eager to see God work. Oh, listen to me, bring our needs that others have before God. There are things happening that God is doing that God wants all of us in corporately praying for. There's things that God is doing that he wants all of us praying for. There are things that should be happening with God's people that all of us are praying for the same thing. Now, we've got all our own prayer requests. We're praying for these things in our family and maybe these things at work and and praying for our children. But there ought to be something that corporately we are begging God to do. So that when God does it, he receives the glory. And fourth, he write this down, I'm done. Look at this prayer. But praying, prayer was made, number two, without ceasing. Number three, of the church. Number four, unto God. They realized this, there was only some things that God can do you notice they weren't saying, let's get all of the disciples together. I mean, if they had five, eight, 10,000 people, they could have stormed that jail and they could have overcome Peter's captors and they could have brought Peter out. They could have done it. They could have revolted. But listen, they understood there are some things only God can do. And hear me, when we find ourselves, church, in a situation where only God can do it, we must ask him to do it. We want God's will. We want God's strength. We want God's wisdom. We want God's power. We want God's protection. We want God's blessing. It only comes when we ask him. Write this down. Number five, this prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. This was a specific prayer for Peter they were asking god for a specific thing to happen church i'm asking you would you pray a specific prayer that god would perform this vision 2020 in our church that as we start to see things happen and we start to see things unfold that we can say that's because we prayed because we saw God move. Young people are going to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ because you prayed. Your neighborhoods are going to be changed because you prayed. The workplace is going to be different because you prayed. God's going to work because you prayed. Peter was taken out of captivity because they prayed. You see, when the church comes together and the church prays, God does something special. Look with me again, but prayer was made. Verse number five, without ceasing, of the church unto God for him. I'm excited, 249 months left before we say this 20 year vision is complete. 239, what did I say? just added 10 more years. I'm staying. I'm staying another whatever months. We're going to see God work. It's only going to come through prayer. And church, I'm asking you today, how many of you would commit to praying without ceasing? Would you pray? So that God receives the glory. Father in heaven,